The following podcast is a discussion between two experts in their fields of beauty and not meant to be taken as medical advice. Be sure to consult with your doctor if you have any medical inquiries. Hi, this is Dr. Neil Shaw, and you're listening to Masters of Beauty. On this Masters of Beauty, we're going to go someplace a little bit deeper than we've ever gone before. We're not going to be talking about the outside of how we look. It's going to be about, more about how we can transform the inside. I'm super excited to introduce our next podcast guest. Her name is Maria Kroll, and I'm going to give you a little background on Maria. So Maria is uh, by nature a self-starter. Maria is an immigrant from Belarus. She came over in 1992. Her whole family only had $5,000, and she did not speak a single word of English. So talk about overcoming adversity. So you're going into a very difficult situation without anything. Since then, um, she has kind of written, literally written the book on motivation, how to create transformations for patients just because she's done this herself. Um, she went to University of Illinois, uh, my alma mater, and she graduated magna cum laude. Uh, so she started her career on Wall Street, and then that mindset for success in Wall Street, she's translated that to help people overcome their own hurdles. And what we're going to talk today about is our inner transformations, how we can overcome our hurdles, how to be the best version of ourselves. So super excited to introduce our next guest, Maria Kroll. Hi, Neil. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. Cool, cool. So let's just first start off with this. Um, how did you get started with your work as a life coach? So I think that, as you mentioned earlier, I was very keen on overcoming uh, the very, very tough obstacle of being an immigrant in the U.S., my family and I came with $5,000. We didn't speak a word of English. And for a long time, my parents didn't speak a word of English. So I ended up writing a lot of resumes at the age of 15, really ensuring that the three of us survive in the U.S. And then once we finally got on our feet, and that was when I was around 18, 19, my father was able to get a job. My mother, my mother um, started getting sick um, with a neurological disorder that ultimately developed itself into Parkinson's. And over time, I started reading everything about self-help, in addition to the fact work that I was already doing, because I already had supported myself through undergrad, through grad school, got myself to Wall Street, saw the value of working hard, and then saw the types of money that somebody that works hard that could make in Wall Street. And so then I saw my mother become ill, and I realized immediately, I thought, we need to make this better. How do we create a stronger mindset? We need to help her become more resilient so she can overcome the disease and really battle disease, which has been a path of 20 years. And so then I read every self-help book I can get my hands on that had anything to do with resilience and tenacity and ability to stay focused and time management and essentially Parkinson's and ability to help my mother essentially stay ahead of the disease. And it's, it's been a battle that we're, we're still battling today. But um, I will, I, I'm sure that my mother, if she was here today, would say that she wouldn't be here if, um, if it wasn't for the work that we've done. Life coach. Um, what does that mean if someone's asking, like, I want to come in um, you know, for a life coach session? Like, what does it mean? What does it um, translate to? Sure. I think this means different things to everyone because different people struggle with um, different types of problems. Specifically, some people have a hard time with their internal self-talk. Others have a hard time getting results in their goals. They seem to be doing everything, yet they can't move forward. Yet others just need help in career transitions. And ultimately, what I've really found out is that specifically during the time of COVID, 
people have a really hard time just believing in themselves. Just really the self-belief for you to be able to do whatever you want and succeed in it seems to be a real problem for people. People continue to see obstacles in their path instead of seeing opportunities. Okay, so so for, for a life coach, that means, is it someone who says, hey, I, I own a business and I want to be like, I want to take my business to the next level? Is it someone who is kind of lost in their life or is it kind of like, a little bit of everything is what you said. It's a little bit of everything. I have I have clients coming coming to me with they're a little lost in life and they just need to create a better sense of self. So a better self-concept, essentially their story. Because I find that a lot of people on the former side of um, your example that let's say they were formed in their childhood by some traumatic experience and now they define themselves as trauma. So instead of thinking how successful they could be and being their internal self-coach, their internal self-talk is consistently negative. It's kind of putting them down. No, you can't do this. How, how could you even imagine being rich? How could you imagine getting that job? You're a loser. You can't do anything, right? And so what we work on is we work on changing essentially their self-concept, which is usually combined by how they see themselves and how they feel about themselves and then create some very specific affirmations and discipline with positive habit-forming processes in order to help them transform their lives. And that's the first type of client. Subject client is certainly more business oriented. So as an entrepreneur, um, like you mentioned, I started my career on Wall Street. My background was uh, accounting, finance, and psychology. Yes, such an interesting mix. And so I am fairly good at um, understanding how to launch companies, create product, and ultimately run the sales organization because that's a lot of psychology and incentives. So I have some Business owners come to me and say, I need help motivating my teams. I need help creating incentives and alignment in order for them to be able to envision success and then for us to envision success as our team, as a firm, and then ultimately grow our, our, uh, our revenues. So I think it's interesting too. Like, so you, you see these successful people who are coming in who want to take their level to another thing. Do you see a pattern in like successful people versus non-successful, unsuccessful people and say, wow, like, is there a fundamental way that successful people think that's different? And then kind of as a follow-up to that, how hard is it to take someone whose thought processes are unsuccessful and transform them into a successful thinker? Sure. That's a, those are two great questions. I think, first of all, all successful people are resilient because there's never a time in your life that everything's just going to go your way. It's just impossible, especially if you're trying to do something challenging. If you're trying to build a business from scratch, if you're trying to attract new clients, anything that's worthwhile doing is never easy. And that's not, certainly not my quote. And so as a result, the key is to create these positive affirmations so you can essentially wire yourself for being able to overcome those obstacles. And so the people that are successful are constantly reaffirming themselves every morning and every night what they're trying to accomplish. In addition, to doing mirror work, which is something else that I focus on. So essentially, again, building their self-confidence. And ultimately, they are creating an unwavering sense of self. So regardless of what happens, even if that business collapses or the client doesn't like you or something happens, you know within yourself, you'll just be able to bounce right back up and go forward again. Because ultimately, the way that we gain traction is to take more risks. That's the only way we can get results. Without risk, there's no result, right? If you're just standing there and doing nothing, then there's no physical way you're, gonna, you're going to get any type of result in your life. Certainly, if you take risk, you can get potentially a negative result, but that way, there's at least an opportunity for a positive result. So that's the first. The second thing is that I think it's certainly challenging if someone's really in a rut, but that person has to want to change. 
If that person says, no, Maria, I don't want to change. I'm happy being here, which often actually happens. A lot of people surprisingly like to be broken because they're so scared of trying and then failing that they just don't want to start at all. Like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here because even if I try, it's probably going to fail. So I'm just going to stay here and escape the concept of me potentially failing yet again. I'm reaffirming that story, that self-concept that maybe was built in childhood. So the people that I generally work with that pay me to help them are people that want to change. And as a result, I give them homework. I say, think about your 95 years old. What would you have liked to have done? How would you have liked for people to have seen you, thought of you? What would you have to have accomplished? Let me work backwards. Let me create short-term goals, medium goals, and long-term goals in terms of monetary components. Then we also create a holistic goal in terms of their mind, body, and soul, because I believe in balance. So how do we create a balanced lifestyle? It's not about making hundreds and thousands of dollars. There's plenty of people that have done very well and that certainly don't lead, lead very healthy lifestyles um, and that they just don't know what's enough. And that's unfortunate. In my work, particularly with entrepreneurs as well as um, individual clients, it's all about finding a sense of peace within yourself. And that's really about balance within your entire life or your entire life. And, and it's interesting that that although money seems to be the goal that everyone wants, uh, if you talk to people with an endless, uh, lots of money, more money than they know what to do with, it seems that there, there can be a void for them unless they've connected all these other facets of their life. And that's what's interesting is that sometimes the poorest people are the happiest. And it's because there's consistent concept of something being not enough. Because everything in life is relative. For example, you know heat because you know cold. You know love because you felt hate. You know lack of money because you may have had money or vice versa. Somebody who's grown up really poor, their entire goal in life is just to make money because they believe money will be the answer. The problem is that as soon as you have money or some sort of a basic income, let's say I think it's $70,000, where there's a decreasing marginal utility of happiness at that point, once you get to that basic threshold, then that intense need for more money is sort of diminished because you kind of you're used to it so there's less relativity there's less not having to having and so what's interesting is that creating a balance is what's actually most critical in life as opposed to maximizing anything in extremes is never a good thing so that um so, so what we talked about the, the first um person who comes in who is that person wanting to take their their company to the next level their business to the next level they want to be the best at everything and then that second person is the person who's in a rut. You know, they're, they're in a job that maybe they don't feel like it's, it's challenging them. Maybe for some reason they took a path and they said, you know, I'm randomly going to be, a, I don't know, uh, an 18th century literature uh, major. And now I'm like, wow, what am I at? I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s or 50s or whatever age I am. And I really wanted something else. I wanted to be someone else. How do you handle that person? Surprisingly enough, I have handled that person. In fact, there's a lot of professors that come to me from academia and they really want to transfer to finance, in fact, and they want to make more money because A, for instance, now LAS is struggling, unfortunately. I love the humanities personally. It's unfortunate that that's just not where the jobs are. Tom is really taking over. And so I certainly manage the type of, um, and help the type of client. And essentially, we just start from the beginning and we say, what else are you interested in? What else can you, you see yourself doing? Now, I'm a little different. I don't say, just follow your passion. Every life coach out there that I've seen, or at least a lot of them say, just, you want to be in ski instructor? Good for you. Wonderful. I think that's a little myopic. We can't all just follow our passions. Not because I don't believe in making money with what you're passionate. I do believe that you're a lot more 
there's a lot more chance of success if you're passionate about what you're doing. However, not everything that you're passionate about pays a lot of money. If you're passionate about collecting stamps and the stamp market is not as aggressive, you're probably going to have a potential problem. Versus, let's say you, you really like computers and you're a software engineer, then that's going to be a little bit of an easier path for you. And so I start with the client in terms of thinking, what's a realistic outcome in terms of what you actually want to accomplish in terms of your lifestyle, in terms of what you want to do day to day, and what will actually yield real results of happiness for you? If it's money, then maybe we talk about going back to school. Let me think about what is school in terms of, is it a master's degree? And then after the master's degree, how do we get you a job? It's not just, oh, you just go back to school, you get a degree, you'll figure it out. There's so many education systems now, I'm not going to speak of any names, but you pay a lot of money. They don't have very little street cred. And then people find themselves in a lot of debt after getting out of these universities, especially the online ones. And it's problematic. So it's even it's causing that person even more um, issues than they began with. So we talk about realistic and very specific action steps that's going to lead them to a more positive outcome. Because even though they may have made different different um, decisions in their lives, which they may have called mistakes. That's one thing that I deal with a lot. People really have a hard time getting over their mistakes. Oh, how could I have done that? That's changed my life forever. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe that had I made this one decision differently, I would, it would have been completely different. I would have been a millionaire. I would have done. The thing is that they're all learning experiences. We all have different paths in life and we never know in life what will lead us to the next thing. So it's all about understanding, in my perspective, that life isn't 100% linear and to consistently think positively and to create that resilient mindset to be able to attract that positive next step in your life. So a question that comes up a lot is, are winners born? Is it a mindset? You know, there's a classic study that looks at, I'm sure if you've heard of this donut study, where they had the little kids and um, they asked the kids, um, you know, you can either eat the donut now or we can come back in five minutes and we'll give you two donuts. Um, and it's, you know, obviously the, the kids who waited were thought more likely to be planning for their future, things you talked about, you know, willing to kind of take that sacrifice and wait. Um, uh, your thoughts on, is it something, it's a mindset that we're just, is that something habitual? And then the other part is how do you overcome that mindset? Because it's probably like years and years of entrenched thought process. Like it probably can't be easy. Certainly. I think the question you're asking here is nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. I certainly think that some part of who we are is based on nature. If you come from parents that are hyper-disciplined, that are thoughtful, and you have a certain genetic makeup, I would imagine, again, I'm not a neurobiologist, but I would imagine that ha that conditioning has impact in terms of your ability to have more tenacity or focus, um, maybe willingness to work hard. I think more importantly, if you're in a environment, so nurture, where you have family that really focuses on hard work and discipline. And for instance, like I come from a pretty strong immigrant family where my mother's, my mother's comment when I was 12, she goes, if the 15th door is closed, knock on the 16th door. And this was my, I was, I had I paid my way through essentially undergrad and grad school. And, and for me to buy clothes in high school, she goes, go have a job. Good luck. Mm. You want to buy clothes? You work. It's very simple. My mother is, my mother is very simple in her teachings. And so I was like, I wanted to get a job at the age of 13, and I had a hard time. And because, um, you know, certainly I didn't have a lot of experience. And so, and so I remember that comment, and that's, and I, 
and that really stayed with me until today. And that's really, it's one of the reasons really I've, I've become successful in everything that I've done is because even when I'm feeling at something or I'm seeing that something's not coming together, I think of a different way to approach the same problem. Now, having said that, I've certainly had my series of setbacks and I've seen some clients that don't have the fortune of coming from such families. Additionally, some people, even though they come from fortunate families, for some reason or another, the way that life has presented itself to them, they fall between the cracks and their inner sense of self gets crushed and they just can't get out of that quicksand. They're constantly reaffirming negative beliefs. And so that person has to first make a decision to make a change. I can't stress this enough. And then it's between the affirmation work every day. It's mirror work. So you're forcing yourself to rewire yourself. You're rewiring your neurotransmitters. You're rewiring the way you think yourself. And most importantly, self-awareness. And this is where meditation comes in. So you have to be aware of your thoughts. You have to be aware of how you react to situations. How did I handle the situation? Did that make sense? Why did that happen? Instead of thinking, oh, that was horrible. I can't believe that happened. It's more about why did it happen? How did I respond? Because as we all know, life is essentially 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. Yeah, it's interesting with that, that donut question. I asked my, he was six years old at the time, you know, do you want to wait for one donut or would you, would you want to, you know, what he, and, or you can do the second donut and, and wait for that five minutes later. He said he'd eat the one donut. And I was like, why would you pick the one donut? Like, you're going to be a failure. He's like, well, I want one donut because if I eat two donuts, it's too much sugar. And so I was like, oh, my God. It's like that's, I'm being thoughtful. <laughs> that's, that's a classic kid answer. Like, they don't even think within the, the boxes we want them to think of. Do you notice a difference between generations? So you have... Um, you know, that classic, you know, roll up your sleeves, the hard work generation, you know, you think of that as sometimes in the Gen X's and, um, uh, you know, versus my kids growing up right now, none of them are great athletes. Sorry about that, kids. But um, and everyone gets a trophy. You know, everyone, no one is allowed to fail. No one is allowed to find their own voice and say, hey, guess what? I tried this. Um, everyone wins. Does that make it harder for you? Harder, and is it different from generation to generation? So this is more personal thought versus me as a professional life and career coach, I believe that accountability is really important because if there's no accountability, that there's no way that person can learn or that child can learn. And so I do think there's a change in generations now. I think it's a potentially because of different policies, maybe no, no child left behind policy or just everyone getting a trophy and then be the social media component. The way that kids spend their time and what they're focusing on is drastically different than even, let's say, 50 years ago. Before, kids would go to class. There were no phones. They would interact with other people. They would form relationships, friendships, go to, obviously, high school, college. And so their connections were a lot more intimate one-on-one. -on -one. Now people connect versus social media, and they spend a lot of time comparing themselves to others on social media. And so the way that then we form ourselves as people over time drastically changes because it's no longer accountability. What I do has direct consequences. As a result, I need to do X or Y differently. It's more like, wait, but Jenny looks like this and she's smiling in that picture. Wait, I, what do I need to do? And so people find themselves more lost yeah. than before. And what they don't know is that Jenny, there is no Jenny, obviously, but um, is probably using a filter. She's probably, you know, kind of photoshopped herself. Right. Um, is also only talking about the highlights. I always find it's interesting. Um, it's my 18th wedding anniversary. That's why I'm not going to write a long thing. But um, 
couples who write these long paragraph after paragraph of how much they love their significant other, again, is it a show for social media? I, I think like a year or two later, you look at them, you're like, oh my God, what happened to that couple? They sure. were so happy. And are they trying to, what's going on over there? Yeah. Exactly. And that actually then, it's interesting that you made that comment because then that goes into intimate relationships, romantic relations between people. So you have these formative years of youth. They're not as keen accountability, the way that they form themselves and their connections with other people changes and they form relationships with a partner, then the way they connect within themselves changes as well. And often problematic because they haven't been taught to develop those uh those accountability habits for themselves and then for other people as well in terms of boundaries of what they feel comfortable with within that relationship, how they want to show up, how they want the other person to show up in terms of their comfort level. So it just changes the dynamic. And so today I find that there's a little bit more opaqueness in terms of how do I get from A to B because of the social environment we're in. Um, so that bit, so, so we know if someone wants to get strong, they're gonna to go to the gym I'm not trying to say I'm strong. <laughs> I flex for the camera. Uh, if someone wants to get strong, they're, they're going to say, I, I know what I need to do. I need to work out. I need to, you know, eat the right types of foods. If I want to be strong mentally, I want to be super dialed in focus wise. And I, I know if I want to work out, I need a certain amount of time every day to do this. And you're probably getting these people who are busy in their own world. How much time do you need to make this transformation? First of all, after, after your coaching, is it a daily thing? Is it four hours a day? Is it 10 minutes a day? Is it one hour a day? How do you transform this person, transform their mind, the inside of them? This is such a fascinating thing for me. That's a great, 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 great question. I think the first caveat I must say is that it depends on where that person's starting from. But the person's, let's say, I'm just thinking broadly a, a negative situation, just very, very negative person's an alcoholic. They've had a really hard time quitting drinking. They're having, they have terrible habits. They never go to the gym. They never meditate. They don't drink water. Again, just, again, very negative situation. Then they're certainly going to, it's certainly going to take them more time. I would say one to two hours a day minimum. But if the person's a little bit forward in their work, I would say it takes 10 to 20 minutes tops. Because once you've created these affirmations and the self-concept, I literally give people four note cards. I'm like, just read these four note cards in the morning and the evening. You could be at a party. You could be anywhere. You can take a picture of the note cards. You can go to the bathroom. I just need you to do the work. I don't care where you are, but read them to yourself every morning and every evening because you're essentially just neuro-programming yourself for a more positive outcome. And I believe in the concept of synchronicity. So it's a little bit more energy work as opposed to more specific. So I combine a very strong accountability, disciplined, focused day-to-day -day with energy work, which means that you create positive energy and positive momentum in your life through these affirmations and through essentially, and this is something that I also work on, and this is not the affirmation piece. This is where I really, really stress for that person to keep their thoughts, their visions, their words in line. So if they're aligned and they want to have a successful business, they can never say, I, I failed at this business. They can never articulate that there's really anything that could create negativity, like, oh, this, this, this didn't work well. Okay, here's how we're going to make it better. Because the words are spells. That's why it's called spelling. Oh, I did not know that. Love that. Cool. So if we create this alignment, so it starts with thoughts. If you create positive thoughts and you hear yourself, you hear yourself think you're meditating for, let's say, and I have different meditation ways. You can meditate for literally 
I give my clients, I just need you to meditate for three minutes in the morning and three minutes in the evening. If you can't do it twice, you can just do it three minutes in the morning. That's all I need you to do. And then they're like, oh, three minutes, that's nothing. Yeah, I can do that. And then we work on maybe five minutes. And then they find themselves that they're meditating 10 minutes a day. They're doing the affirmation work. That's 15 minutes. That's about it. And they have amazing results. I can't say, I, I can't, my clients have done, they're surprised of how fast the results come. It's a little like learning a foreign language, I guess. It's that 10 minutes a day. If you just worked on it every day, 10 to 15 minutes, you have the power transformation. But very unlikely that someone's going to be able to do it on their own. I've been, by the way, trying to learn Spanish for like, um, I'm in my late 40s, 30 some years. And again, I think I need that accountability. I need someone to tell me to, to kind of do that. But I, I get that. It's not quite as easy as just saying I, I can do it. It's um... Yeah, I think everyone needs, I mean, I'm a little biased, obviously. So I think everyone needs a coach. I have a coach, for instance. I think it just, you need someone that's an objective person that creates like a coach, it's not someone that tells you what to do or how to think. They just give you a guideline. They keep you accountable for how did you do this week? How did you handle this? Did you keep your thoughts, feelings, and actions in line in order for you to continue on the path to what you're trying to accomplish on a short-term basis, medium-term basis, and long-term basis? I, I kind of have this random thought here. Um, so I think what I do is I have someone who comes in, and I look at them at the external side. I'm looking at the external surface, and you know, I view this person as they should be confident and hopefully making this little change helps them become more confident, which I think leads to some success in their life. Um, I think you're coming at this from a different perspective and your perspective is, hey, I'm going to make you more confident by actually making you more successful. And that's hopefully going to lead to positive change in your life. Agree? Disagree? Certainly, because I think what you work on, and I completely agree, I think you work on is that outward appearance where Every time they look in the mirror, every time they feel that they're more presentable, they feel more confident. And the confidence is very important. But what's also key is action. Confidence without action is useless. It's just rhetoric. <laughs> and so what I focus on is that once that person has a confidence outward, how do we create that internal sense of self so you're constantly taking action to move yourself toward a positive outcome and reaching the goal that you set out for yourself today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, lifetime? fascinating discussion um and uh um, looks like i have some some work i might need to, to, to work no on. no no i would i would not say that i would not say that but if i if i may um make one comment in fact in fact two the first thing i want to say is the importance of gratitude gratitude is highly critical now we didn't talk about that but i just want to end on gratitude and so i want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation and to get this message out to people so that even if let's say they don't work with me that they consider working with other people or even consider um, if they're in a tough spot, wherever they are in their lives, they know that there's hope. That there's, if they're alive and they're with the stray, that there's always an opportunity for change. The difference between success and failure is such a thin line. And anyone who's super successful and thinks they're untouchable, I mean, you can see things crumble with just hubris, one thing. Hubris is a downfall of man. We all know that. And that turnaround for uh, for failure, it's probably not as many things that you think to kind of turn that around. Yeah. So that's both a exciting thing, but also one of those things that, uh, you know, make us all, you know, we'll all have a lot of work to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so my company is called Our Best Face Forward, One Face, or RBFF for short, so I'm everyone's best friend, kind of like a millennial yeah. spin, ha, ha, ha. 
And if you'd like to find me, I'm, I'm on our BFF, so O-U-R B-F-F dot live, L-I-V-E. And the reason is that live is because I run a lot of my webinars live on the website, and so it's easier to manage. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to another episode of Masters of Beauty. If you like this episode and don't want to miss out on the next, be sure to subscribe right here where you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you really want to help the show out, leave us a five-star review and a comment or possible topics that you would love to hear Dr. Shaw discuss.